Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story that was first shared on the podcast last holiday season. This is Brendan J. Sullivan with a story we call A Very Transit Strike Christmas. So I call my mom, and in the middle of her telling me how excited she is for Christmas, I know I'm about to break her heart by telling her I can't come home this Christmas. I just got a job, and because of that, guess who's stuck working Christmas? I was 22 years old. I moved to New York City. I wanted to be a writer, but the only job I could get was in this one restaurant. They had a terrible uniform, and it was like 45 minutes each way in the commute. The restaurant was failing. We were making, like, no money at the time. So it was crazy to be in New York City among all these wealthy people. We're literally staring at Trump Tower from where we are. Now, the only thing I liked about this restaurant was the hostess. I worked on the bar where no one ever came, and she stood directly across from me. She had big, beautiful, curly hair, and she was from this big Jamaican family way out in Canarsie at the end of the L train. I remember the only thing I really said to her at this point was, hey, I really like your hair. And she said to me, oh, I just got it done. And she showed me the part in her hair where someone in her hair salon had sewn in the curly hair to the braids that were close to her scalp. And I said, oh my God, I thought that was your natural hair. And she said, white people, every single time you say that word for word. (laughs) I was thinking about my cousins back home and my brother and his kids and how much fun they're going to have. I started feeling sort of like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when, you know, everybody's having fun without him, that kind of thing. I I had FOMO for Christmas. So I flip on the TV, this is 2005, that's how you got the news, and I see a Christmas miracle is brewing. Transit trouble today here in New York that could ultimately affect millions of commuters. NBC in New York City, bus and subway workers walked off the job early this morning, leaving millions of commuters scrambling for alternative ways to get to work. The New York City Transit Authority is going on a general strike starting the following morning. There will be no trains, buses, or ferries anywhere in the five boroughs. It was like having an adult snow day. I don't have to go to work anymore. I can't get to the city. I've got just a few minutes, and if I get to the bus station in time, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to surprise my mom on Christmas. So I go into work to gather my things to get the hell out of there. And my boss says to me, hey, Sullivan, you live in Brooklyn, right? And I said, Yeah, yeah, shame about that transit strike, huh? And she's like, hey, it's no big deal. I live in Brooklyn, too. So my husband has a car. I'll just come pick you up in the morning when I come in, and then you can work. You can actually work all the extra shifts for all the people who can't come in this week. Isn't that great? And as I see, everybody else still has that grin on their face. Everybody else who lives outside of the city is still getting out of this place. And I just stood there thinking, yeah, Great. I'll spend 
more time with my boss. I'll spend two hours in traffic with her and her husband and then come into work two hours early and pick up all these shifts from all these lucky people who are going home for Christmas. They have these smiles that just say, we already know exactly what party we're going to. We're going to eat the best food. We're going to have the best time without you. That is how all of New York City felt to me at that time. I didn't know anybody. I had no connections. I didn't get invited to cool parties. I had the terrible job. And everywhere you go, you just see these opulent, beautiful, rich homes and these people and these great clothes and they get invited to these things that you've never heard of and you know you couldn't really google stuff on your phone then so when someone would say hey have you heard of such and such you'd be like oh i only go there on mondays and they'd be like they're not open on mondays everything was like a trap for you to fall in so i go back home and I bump into my neighbor on the way in, and he's like, hey. And I was like, hey, how you doing? He's like, look, I'm really trying to get out of town before this transit strike happens. Hey, are you staying here for Christmas? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And he's like, that's great. I don't know why he would think that's great. Other than that, when you're the solo on the totem pole in New York, and someone says that's great to you, what they really mean is, you can do me a favor. So he says, listen, I've got this bike. And let me tell you, I knew about his bike. This was my weird neighbor. He had this god-awful two-stroke 50cc Suzuki scooter from the 70s. It was red with a plastic fairing and a little basket on the front. The motor oil he had for it, it sounded like a lawnmower. You know, the lawnmower kind of spits out the oil, but the oil was strawberry-scented. So I always knew when this guy pulled up because it was like he was coming through town just farting strawberries left and right, and then he'd park right in front of our building. I figured, yeah, I'm here. It's Christmas. I'll give you a hand. So as soon as he shuts the door and he leaves town, I think about, okay, so now I can say at least, you know, I need Tuesday off because I got to move this bike for this guy. And then I realize he's not going to know if I just borrow this bike to escape my evil boss. Somewhere between five and eight million people ride the New York City subway every day. And it's all walks of life. You know, New Yorkers are a sympathetic bunch, especially to workers, I would say. But when you hear that, boy, CNN mistreats his workers, and you go, okay, I'm going to turn on NBC, it's a little different when they say, oh, the MTA mistreats their workers, and you have to say, oh, okay, well, I'll just take the nothing. There is no other way, and there's zero way to get from Brooklyn, where I lived, into Manhattan. The best they could devise was an agreement with the Taxi and Limousine Commission, where they would have all taxis due of $5 per zone. There were five zones in Manhattan. If you go to the Bronx, it's five more dollars. If you go to Staten Island, it's five more dollars. From where I worked to where I needed to get home, it was going to cost me $70 a day to go to my terrible job. And it was freezing cold outside. People had to wait in these huddles on the curb. If you were on Broadway, you were in this mess. It looked like a war zone of people trying to escape. Then you would get in a car that could just pick up strangers left and right all throughout the city. So a total stranger who could murder you would get in a car with you. And the next thing they would do is bring you to your home address. Now they knew where you live. So the next morning... There's nothing but traffic from my house in Brooklyn all the way to my job across the bridge into Manhattan. I feel bad for these people and everything because, of course, I'm a New Yorker, but I was having the time of my life. I am cruising between cars, just farting strawberries all the way across the Brooklyn Bridge. 
So I get into my job, and it's like kind of fun actually now, because now there's, you know, the snooty French sommelier is busting tables, and everybody's sort of pitching in, and if you didn't have everything in your uniform, it was okay today, but you know, try better tomorrow. At the end of the night, it just kind of slows down. I'm looking at the hostess, and she's got a sad look on her face. She said, oh, geez, you know, all my friends are kind of screwed in their holiday shopping. Someone else was like, you know, it's crazy. They're, like, giving away the stuff this week. There's sales left and right. You know, it was a very corporate mall, but they would flip over a holiday announcement to the blank side on the back and just write in Sharpie, like, whole store, 60 70% off. And she just says, oh, my friends are bugging me all day because they're trying to get me to Christmas shop for them, but there's no way I'm going to be able to, you know, lug all that stuff and my work clothes and get there. And I realized this was my chance. This was the only situation in my whole life that my strawberry fartin' Suzuki was gonna be cool. So I turned to the hostess and I said, hey, if you want to pick up a couple things for your friends, I could give you a ride over there because parked outside, I have this Suzuki motorbike with a basket that my neighbor lent me for the week. And she's like, oh my God, could you? Oh my God. And she starts texting, like blazing texts, T9 texts, old school style. So before I know it, we are just dashing through the mall. It's four stories and we're probably the only people shopping. We can just pick up whatever we want and we load up the bike. And it is tiny. I mean, it's like you're trying to share a piano bench as you ride through town. So I get on the front, she gets on the back and I said, all right, hold on tight. And we whiz downtown just farting strawberries the whole way. She brings me downtown to this party where everybody's inside and they've got Christmas cookies and music playing and hot drinks. We bring the presents to them and it wasn't until I saw the look on everyone's faces. All this time, I just felt sorry for myself. I don't know anybody. I'm such a loser. I felt like Rudolph and I was left out of everything. And that was so dumb because I wasn't Rudolph. I was Santa Claus. So we go into these parties in these beautiful apartments and they're saying, the heroes are here, they brought Christmas, yay! And they're stuffing cookies in our faces and everything. And then we say, oh, sorry, but we gotta go, we have another delivery. And they're like, oh, stay, come back later. We're like, okay, Merry Christmas. So then we go to the next house and they come in and this time she's like grabbing my hand to bring me in and they're like, hey, oh my God, who's this? Like, this is my friend Brendan, he saved Christmas. And one of them says, he's cute. And, oh my God, I not once heard that in the whole time I was wearing a uniform in New York City. So we go to the next house and the next house and everyone wants us to come in. They're so happy to see us. They're so grateful. And they're like, who are you? Why did you even do this for us? You're a total stranger to us. And I just thought, you know, it's Christmas. And they're like, oh, that is so sweet of you. And what I really couldn't say to them was like, I was just having the best night of my life. Just going house to house, being the hero everywhere I went. This was my best night I ever had in New York City. We were going to all the coolest parties, and we couldn't stick around long enough because we had other places to go. It was so much fun, and every time she'd lead me out of there, you know, grabbing her little mitten hand on mine, saying, We gotta go! Bye! We'd go to the next place and the next place. We go upstairs to the last house to deliver the presents, and Mrs. Claus, you know, she stays with me the whole time. And she's like, this is my friend Brendan. He's the hero who saved Christmas. Can you believe it? They're Brendan! Cheers for Brendan! Yay! Merry Christmas! They're bringing more cookies, and they say, pour a hot drink. Brendan, are you done? You must be freezing. Take your jacket off. Come in. And I stood around for a few minutes, and I was really happy. I felt like I belonged. 
Like this was the city where I lived and where I needed to stay. And that's what they wanted me to do. They said, Brennan, why don't you just come over? You could even just stay on our couch tonight if you want. And I thought about it and I realized that this was so sweet, but I had to get up early and go open the next morning. So I put the mug down and I said to everyone, thank you so much, everybody. This has been the best night of my life. And I want to thank you all for sharing it with me. So have a good party. Merry Transit Strike to all. And to all a good night. That is all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.